The second reading is taken from Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they, stand, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you give others if you forgive others their, trans, their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Here ends the Bible reading. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Some of you might be forgiven for uh, thinking the same thing as, um, or question as someone asked me on the door last week when I was welcoming, where they kind of peered at me and they said, who are you? Um, which was a fair question, as I haven't been around for three months. Um, but for those of you who can remember me, uh, firstly, thank you for not forgetting me. Uh, secondly, uh, I want to say a really big thank you uh, for allowing me uh, the time of the last three months. Uh, it's been a massive privilege. Uh, it's been hugely helpful and refreshing uh, and much appreciated. So thank you. Uh, and it is a real joy to be back with you uh, and serving the church family. Uh, and I really mean that. Today we get to the part of the Lord's Prayer, which is about protection. Now, I don't know what comes to mind uh, when you think of protection. Uh, probably the most obvious thing at the moment is this. Um, even my one-year-old daughter cannot walk past a hand sanitizer thing without putting um, hand sanitizer on. She starts to get annoyed if you don't let her. Um, but we don't want to talk about that, so let's, let's move on swiftly. Uh, we all try to protect our health, don't we? Uh, whether it's getting out for a run or um, taking some medication. Now, maybe the thing that comes to mind when you think of protection is this. Antiperspirant, that we're all sitting a lot closer together. Uh, I hope that, that you're not thinking about it because there's some smells wafting your way. Uh, let's face it, during lockdown, and I'm not referring to myself here, but some of us have got a bit less, a bit lax with our personal hygiene, maybe not showering quite as often. Or maybe you, when you think of protection, um, you think of uh, insurance. Uh, uh, we, we take out protection on our homes, our cars, uh, our pets, don't we? Uh, our pet dog, Maisie, managed to max out two insurance policies last year, uh, which was pretty painful. We all want to protect ourselves, don't we? But how much do we think about spiritual protection? It's something that we so easily neglect uh, or dismiss. Uh, maybe it's not even on our radar uh, as we come to church this morning. And so the first thing that Jesus teaches us uh, in this part of the Lord's Prayer is that we all need spiritual protection. 
And we're heading for disaster if we don't recognize that. You might have heard of the great theologian Jim Packer, and he says this about this part. The realism, self-distrust, and humble dependence on God that breathes through this petition is something that we all need to learn. You see, the Bible teaches us that life is like a spiritual minefield, uh, and we're so easily sent off course uh, if we're not careful. Uh, The Bible pictures us as sheep, doesn't it? Uh, Not the most flattering picture, Uh, and it's saying that we are so easily led astray. Uh, We need to realize that we can't trust ourselves, and we're weak. Uh, We're led astray by Satan, Uh, the Bible calls him the tempter, Uh, and we're simply led astray by ourselves and our own desires uh, and those of others. James writes, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Uh, So as followers of Jesus, we're we're led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, He helps us to to follow Jesus and walk in his ways. Uh, But there's a battle going on inside us against our sinful desires. And the devil wants to exploit those weaknesses. So James uh, continues in that same bit. He says, then desire, when it, is, when it has conceived, uh, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Uh, this is a battle that has deadly consequences. And we can't win it on our own. Uh, spiritual protection is the most important protection uh, because it's about our eternal destiny and it's deadly serious. After I finished sixth form, I had the uh, privilege of going out to uh, work with a team in Peru uh, at a church out there. Uh, And it was a team from the UK. Uh, I've still got friends from the team. It was a great time. In fact, um, one of my daughter's godparents at the service last Sunday was from that team. But um, a couple in the team went to the same church in the UK, and during the four months that we were there, they would often talk uh, about how great their minister was, uh, how helpful he'd been, um, and uh, it was really good to hear uh, what a faithful minister he was. And so I was greatly saddened uh, many years later uh, to hear that he had misused his position uh, and left a trail of destruction behind him at the church. I know someone else who worked for the church and was teaching the Bible. Uh, And now they're going nowhere with the Lord. And I say this to help us see that none of us uh, are above falling. Uh, You, me, Ken. Uh, The Bible says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. You see, that... That attitude is our, uh, that is the attitude we need uh, as we approach this prayer this morning. Uh, we're all weak. Uh, we all need spiritual protection. Uh, that's the attitude that is going to drive us to our knees uh, to pray this petition today. Uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, Father God, keep us safe, uh, both individually and as a church family. So there are two requests here, aren't there? Uh, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. So let's, let's take them one by one. Lead us not into temptation. What does that actually mean? I guess we could see it as meaning that uh, God leads us into temptation and we are asking him not to. Uh, Christians have been uh, confused and puzzled by that over the years. Uh, but the Bible is crystal clear 
that God does not tempt us into sin. Uh, Here's uh, another bit uh, where James talks about it. He says this, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. You see, the word temptation here in the Lord's Prayer is a really broad term in the original language, uh, and it um, refers to both trials and testing and difficulties, uh, and also enticement, which can lead us to sin. Uh, And so what we're praying is, keep us from being so overcome by trials uh, or uh, difficulties or a particular situation of enticement uh, that it leads us to sin. Whilst God uh, never tempts us, The Bible is clear that God uses trials for our good, uh, to prove our faith and to refine our faith. Uh, And testing can make us appreciate our Heavenly Father and it can uh, drive us to him in faith and prayer. Uh, So for example, uh, James writes, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Okay, so if God can use trials for good, uh, why would we pray uh, that we wouldn't be led into them? Uh, Well, let me say clearly that it is okay to pray, to ask to avoid painful experiences, uh, even when we know that God can use them for good. Uh, Jesus himself, in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, prays, take this cup from me. Uh, He he rightly prays that. Uh, But he also rightly prays, um, not yet, not my will be done. Uh, but yours at the end of his prayer. Jim Packer again writes, temptation is no picnic. Sometimes the pressures in times of trial can be so appalling uh, that no sane Christian can do anything other than shrink from them. And if you're in that right now, uh, it's okay to pray for a way out. Uh, But if it continues, uh, when you're in the thick of it, Uh, Be encouraged that God has his purposes, uh, even if we struggle to see them. Uh, This is why some of the the great Christians of our time, uh, people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and uh, Corrie Ten Boom, uh, who went through such trials under the Nazi regime, uh, uh, are those whose writings inspire us down through the generations. uh, And there's been many more. And the other reason why we should pray this first prayer is because we know that we are weak. Uh, And whilst God can use trials for our good, uh, we also know that Satan can exploit those situations. Uh, And that's exactly why we then pray the second half of this prayer, uh, deliver us from evil, uh, or the evil one. You see, the word Jesus uses here is, um, most likely means deliver us from the evil one, uh, although it can mean general evil. Uh, So it's saying, deliver us from Satan himself. Now, in our culture, uh, I guess for many, the last time that they thought about the devil uh, is possibly when they were down at the big market on a Saturday night, uh, see someone on a stag do uh, wearing spiky devil horns. But the Bible is clear uh, that the evil one is uh, not just a bit of fun. uh, And he isn't some sort of metaphor for a spiritual struggle either. Uh, No, all over the Bible, we're told again and again uh, that there is an actual devil uh, who is a real personification of evil uh, and he is out to get us. Uh, Which is why the the Apostle Peter writes, watch out. He writes, your adversary, the devil, 
prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So the New Testament warns us that uh, the devil is at work uh, in unbelievers uh, and he's also, uh, he opposes the faith uh, of believers. Uh, So the devil does actually use people to oppose us. And I'm not saying that uh, every prominent atheist is the work of the devil, uh, but I am saying that we need to recognize that the devil is at work uh, in people and through organizations, and we do need to be on our guard. Uh, And we also need to note that the things that can distract us from God's words can be used by the devil. Uh, For example, you might know, uh, you probably do know that the parable of Uh, that Jesus told of the farmer scattering the seed of the gospel and the devil is pictured as an ugly crow who comes down and snatches the seed away from people's minds. But we also need to be reassured as well if we're trusting uh, trusting Jesus. Uh, Satan does not control us. Uh, God, our Father, is completely in control and he is sovereign Uh, which is why the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, the only thing that Satan can do to God's children uh, is to question our faith and to promote doubt in our Heavenly Father. Uh, And so we need to be alert to his attacks, uh, particularly when we're facing trials or temptation uh, or uh, a difficult time. Now, when a football team uh, prepare for a, a match against uh, another team, uh, they, they want to know that team, don't they? They want to know their tactics, uh, what sort of game they're going to play uh, to... Uh, um, uh, I've lost my place. Uh, failing to prepare uh, is pre- preparing to fail. Uh, it's a classic phrase, isn't it? Uh, and we too need to prepare. Uh, we need to be alert to the devil's tactics, uh, which we see right back uh, in the Garden of Eden uh, with uh, the devil's lies to Eve uh, because he's promoting exactly the same lies today. So here are the top three uh, devil's lies. First, uh, he says, did God really say? Uh, That's what he says to Eve. Uh, He's questioning the reliability of God's word. And I think it's helpful here to recognize that Uh, God has a a perfect way for things to be done. Uh, You could call it a culture. uh, And it's what's best for us and for the world. Uh, And unless our culture is perfect, uh, which no world culture is, uh, and it would be incredibly arrogant to say that our culture is perfect, uh, unless our culture is perfect, uh, it's always going to rub up against God's perfect ways at some point. Uh, And so we need to be alert for the ways that the devil exploits that. Uh, So we need to ask ourselves, uh, are we taking on false truths from the culture uh, and giving the devil a foothold? Maybe we think we're just questioning traditional Christianity, uh, but we're actually taking on the norms and values of our culture. Uh, Or we hear people talking about Christian teaching on sexuality, uh, and they say, well, nobody believes that anymore. And we're tempted to question God's words. And we need to pray, uh, deliver us from evil uh, and help us to trust God's words. The devil's next tactic is to question uh, the reality of judgment. Uh, What does he say? He says, you will not surely die. Now many today make sin out to be a joke, a bit of lighthearted fun, uh, but the Bible says that it's serious 
and it warrants justice. Uh, and we, we do want justice, uh, just not for ourselves often. Uh, but God is just, uh, he cares, uh, he will bring justice. Uh, and that is a good thing. So we're to pray, deliver us from the evil that mocks your justice and says that there will be no judgment. Uh, and Satan's final tactic is to question the goodness of God. Uh, what does he say to Eve? He says, when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Uh, he says, uh, God, God's not doing what's best for you. Satan promotes the, the lies of our culture uh, in saying, uh, be your own God, uh, make your own decisions about right and wrong. Uh, do whatever is right for you. Uh, God isn't good. Uh, he, he doesn't really know what's best for you. Okay, so how, how do we resist those lies? How do we resist Satan? Uh, here's what Peter writes in that, that very passage about the devil prowling around like a lion. He says, resist him. Uh, stand firm, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Uh, we're to stand firm in the faith uh, and remember that this is a normal part of the Christian life. Uh, like a, a boxer keeping up our guards, uh, we're, we're not to let our guard down. We're to pray, Father, help us not to be taken in uh, by the lies of the devil. Deliver us from the evil one. In short, we need to watch and pray. Now, those are the exact words that Jesus says to Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Jesus is facing up to the cross. Uh, he knows that it's coming soon. Uh, he's expecting a huge amount of agony. And uh, it's an agonizing time of anticipation. Uh, and so he says to his disciples, uh, will you share it with me? Uh, will you support me? Uh, he says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, he's saying, keep your guard up. Stand firm. For what happens? Uh, Jesus goes off to pray uh, and he comes back and the disciples have fallen asleep. Uh, they, they don't think they need to pray. Uh, they don't think they're weak. Uh, they're tired, it doesn't feel urgent. Uh, there's no danger. Then what happens? Well, everything kicks off, doesn't it? Uh, the crowd arrive to arrest Jesus. Um, the disciples start to fight uh, exactly against what Jesus stands for. And then uh, they flee, don't they? Uh, they deny that they even know Jesus uh, and they don't stand with him as he goes to the cross. The disciples didn't see their weakness and their need for protection, uh, but oh, how they needed it. They let Jesus down and we are no different, are we, so often? So will we make the same mistake uh, or will we recognize our weakness and our great need for spiritual protection? Uh, will we see reality as it is? Uh, you see, the test of whether we see reality uh, is whether we're willing to watch and pray. Uh, what does it look like to watch? Uh, well, we need to be thinking, uh, where do I need to be alert to the devil's lies? Uh, or what situation or um, company or influences expose me to temptation? Uh, one of the ministers who uh, I met on sabbatical likes to talk about the seven G's. 
so he's got glory, golf, girls, grog, gold, goggle box, and grumbling. Uh, glory, uh, seeking our own uh, above God's. Golf, putting leisure or comfort uh, before God. Uh, girls or boys. Uh, grog, drink. Uh, gold, money. Goggle box, uh, grumbling. Uh, or maybe it's anger. We haven't got time to go into detail, but you get the gist. Uh, what are your top two G's? I know what mine are. Where are you not tempted to put God first? The famous theologian Martin Luther uh, once said, you can't keep the birds from flying over your heads, uh, but you can keep them from nesting in your hair. Find out what for you is fire and don't play with it. Uh, so how are you going to watch and pray uh, in your areas of fire? Uh, let me encourage you to uh, share them with a, a trusted Christian that you know. Uh, ask them to watch and pray for you. That would be a great thing to do. Uh, so we watch uh, and we pray. Uh, what might that look like for us as a church family? Uh, once again, uh, let's not forget that this is a corporate prayer. We pray, lead us not into temptation. Uh, so will we commit to praying for spiritual protection uh, for our church family uh, or our immediate families? Uh, that might mean uh, praying for a good Christian friend uh, that they would not be overcome in a particular area of temptation. Uh, wouldn't it be great if we could be honest and open enough with each other to, to share uh, those things, those top two Gs uh, with each other? Uh, and then pray for one another that we, that we would have the strength to do the right thing, even in the face of inward reluctance. Uh, or to pray the, the flip side of deliver us from evil, uh, i.e. Uh, that we would be led in paths of righteousness. Uh, or maybe you know someone in your midweek group uh, who is going through a really tough time at the moment. Uh, maybe they've lost a job uh, or the health of a family member uh, has deteriorated. Uh, and you can pray that they would be delivered from the evil one. Uh, that they would stand firm and keep trusting uh, God's goodness, uh, keep standing firm in their faith, even during that time. Uh, wouldn't it be great to be upholding each other in prayer like that as a church family? Uh, or maybe you could be praying for your children or your grandchildren or the young people in our church uh, who uh, are bombarded with different messages from our culture in school uh, uh, and through the media uh, wouldn't it be great to be praying that they would trust that God is good uh, and that his ways are right? Pray that they wouldn't listen to the devil's lies and that they would be salt and light. We're to pray uh, preemptively before things uh, like the disciples should have. Uh, we're to pray when we're right in the thick of it uh, and going through tough times. Uh, the disciples neglected to do that in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't they? Uh, they failed to see their weakness uh, and the difficulty of what was going to come. Uh, they succumbed to temptation in so many ways uh, and we so easily do the same. Uh, we don't listen to Jesus uh, and keep our eyes fixed on him. But Jesus didn't fall asleep on the watch. Uh, he didn't give in, even in the face of the awful trial that was to come. Uh, he faced up to the agony of the cross uh, and he walked that path for us. He faced up to the temptation so that we can be forgiven uh, for when we don't. 
And ultimately, uh, he defeated the evil one uh, so that we can pray uh, this great prayer, this great petition in the Lord's Prayer uh, with confidence and with thanksgiving. Amen.